if the Lord would help me for a little while this morning, I want to look at some fires in Peter's life. I'd like to look at these four different fires that you see in the life of Peter. Uh, what, how they affected him and how they relate to all of redeemed humanity. There's a lot that can be learned, at least for me, from the life of Peter. Notice what the scripture says in this text. And Peter followed him afar off. I was coming down the road today from the house and right at the plantation house of the equestrian center on the other side of the tracks away from all the stadium lights on the plantation side, it said at the road, spectator parking. You, if you're just a spectator, you got to park on the other side of the tracks. Don't mean you don't get to go to the show, but you just don't get front row parking. What we see in our text is a spectator. He has been known for being a participator. He's the one jumping out of the boat. He's the one going out when the others say, Peter, calm down, stay still, right out the storm with us. No need to rock the boat. And if you don't watch it, most of them mediocre Christians try to get you to do the same thing when all you care about is getting to Jesus when the storm comes your way. He's, a, he's not a spectator. It's not in his DNA. It's not in his makeup. It's not in his characteristic. When they come to arrest the Lord, the Lord steps between them. Hey, man, boy, I'm glad he steps between us in trouble, don't he? He steps between them. Peter jerks out his sword, whacks off Malchus' ear. I mean, he's wanting to participate. Let's get this thing going. That's Peter. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's a participator. But something changed in his life. I call this first fire of Peter in the Bible the tall tale fire. You'll find it in all four gospels. You'll find it mentioned as a fire where there were coals that were keeping the fire going. You'll find it called different place, different things in different places. But the Lord has listed it. He saw fit. All the miracles are not even listed in all the gospels. But this failure of being a spectator is mentioned in Peter's life. For I believe God wants us to learn from somebody else's mistakes and not have to make the same mess ourselves. Notice this about Peter. Notice the place of this spectator. 
The Bible said in verse 54 that Peter followed him, that is the Lord. He's still following him. He's still doing what he ought to do. But notice this, he's following him afar off. I know it's speaking of because of being scared to be caught up because of the mock trial that's fixing to take place. I understand, but there's more than that here. There is a spiritual overtone and he has begun to walk afar off instead of walking on the water to get to where Jesus is. Now, because of trials, because of what's took place, because of his arrest, because, hey, the Lord even told him, he said, Satan has desired to sift you. And when you do fail, and when you are restored, just know in that failure time, I've prayed for you. And it's going to be all right, Peter. I've prayed for you. Satan wants to sift you, not to get out the good and to show get out the bad and show everybody the good, but he wants to show everybody your failures. Hey, I'm glad the devil thought he was doing something that was going to hurt Christianity, but I find help here because I know that when I fail, there's a redeemer, there's an intercessor, and he's praying for my restoration. He said, Peter, when you get things fixed up, help your brethren. You know what he's doing? He's helping this tall tale fire. How did it happen? How most of us, how do I, this tall tale, y'all know what I mean by that, don't you? Telling a lie. He said, I don't know him. He's a lying. He's telling a tale. He's not telling the truth, Brother Jeremy. This is a tall tale fire. Matter of fact, notice this place where it started. It started, he got to this fire because he's walking afar off. And you get to the wrong fire when you walk afar off. You better make sure there's nothing between you and you and your Savior. I like that song, nothing between. God help, don't let nothing come between you and him. Walking afar off is a picture of many people who walk afar off. Notice the place of this spectator. That parking over there at the house, it's afar off from the location. If you're a participator, you can pull right up there near the rain. Woo! You got your own place. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, this ain't a spectator sport, friend. This is a jump in and get you some. Thank God. Hey, man. Hallelujah. Dive in. I love Colin's picture, Miss Andrea. It just reminded me. He's got people on there, one of them running, one of them running with him. He's got people singing, got people praising, folks lifting their hand. You know how he knows people when he can't even remember their name? He can't remember Kenneth Linder's name, but he knows Kenneth Linder how? He identifies Brother Linder by his worship. Hey, can I say today, I wonder if some people just watched you worship if they know you as a spectator or a participator. Amen, preacher. God, hell. Don't walk afar off. Notice the place of the spectator. Notice the people of the spectator. Notice what he said. He sat with the servants, these corrupt religious servants. He's hanging out with the wrong crowd. He ought to be up yonder where he ought to go find John. 
Where's John at? We need to have some holy fellowship. I'm gonna tell you right now, God help us. You know why you need church? Because you need to get around, rub elbows with good godly people. It'll help you. You rub elbows with the devil's crowd all the time. I hear people say, well, I need to take time for my family, preacher. We're going to lay out of church for four weeks and go on a cruise ship. I'm going to tell you what you're doing. You're hurting your family. I'm going to tell you what you're doing. You're harming your family. What you need to do is get them at church. Forget Disney and get them into the divine presence of God. Everybody say amen. The decline of the people, the decline of the crowd he's with. Third, Brother John Morgan gave me a Bible and he signed in the front of it, you my kind, birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> Ain't that right? Am I right, y'all? I don't see vultures hanging out with eagles. You know what a vulture does? Eat stuff that's dead stuff that stinks and pukes it up on their youngins. Hey, I'll tell you what, an eagle won't eat nothing dead. If he does it during his molten season, he'll never soar again because it's against his character. Now I'm gonna tell you, I don't wanna scratch with chickens, hang out with vultures, I wanna soar with eagles. Somebody help me. Birds of a feather flock together. He's hanging out with the wrong crowd. Started out a place far off. Look at the people. But look at now what he's pursuing. The pursuit of the spectator. And he warmed himself at the fire. That ain't like him. He's more concerned right now, brother, at this tale. Is he not telling a tale? I don't know him. That woman says in Matthew, your speech berayeth thee. Hey, the way you're talking is like that crowd that hangs out with Christ. The way you look, your sound, your attitude, the very accent that you carry about you is just like that Christ-loving crowd. And so he changed his speech and started cussing like the crowd he was warming with. Notice the place, the people, but notice this, what he's pursuing. He's pursuing his physical needs met rather than his spiritual needs. You better know something is wrong when you care more about your physical dollar than you do the house. Well, I can't come to church, preacher. It's costing me too much money. Well, cut cut the satellite off. You make it to church in, hallelujah. Amen, preacher. Pursuing wicked things. Pursuing ungodly things. Rather than seeking spiritual things. You know what your kids need? They don't need Kool-Aids and cookies. They don't need Batman and Superman movies. They need to get to work God's eye. So trim the fat and get the junk out so you can come to church and get the steak. Everybody wave at me. Make sure we all still alive. Amen. This is the wrong fire. My 
but it ain't the last fire. Turn with me to John 21. Woo! John 21. Y'all know the story. Peter said in John 21, after these things, after he had personally seen the resurrection of the Lord, after the Lord had sent him a personal message, didn't do that for nobody else, as if to say, Peter, when you denied me, like I told you would, and that, that rooster crowed, I told you it happened, and you looked in my eyes, and because of your failure, <laughs> hey, you went out, wept bitterly, and he says, if he said, hey, go tell my brethren, he said, but hey, go tell Simon. He don't feel like he's worthy to be called Peter no more. So tell him I know who he is. I know who he was for I called him. I know who he was for I put him in my boat. I know who he was way back yonder. Just go tell him I still love him and I want to mention him by name. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Bless his holy name. Amen. Go tell him. Hey, God, he wants all of you, but Peter, he mentioned you by name. Oh, what happened? He went to weeping because the goodness of God was leading him to repentance because failure is not final when the Lord steps on your seashore. It was the first thing, but it ain't the last thing. Look at John 21. After these things, Jesus shoot himself again. <laughs> I'm glad when you ain't looking for him, he'll just show up. <laughs> Peter said, I'm going fishing. You think he thought he's going to see the Lord? Shoot himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, shoot he himself. He said, Simon Peter was over there. That's the denier. Thomas was with him. That's the doubter. Nathaniel was with him. That's the discontented one. You can go check that out for yourself. And the sons of Zebedee, that's them two do-gooders that think they belong on the left and right side, according to their mama. Somebody say amen. That whole crowd's out yonder. Yeah. You know what they remind me of? All of us. <laughs> Every one of us. They remind me of all of us. God help. We went through every bit of it. Help me, Lord. Who do we think we are? We don't deserve no special credit. We don't deserve the right and left side. My God, we ought to just be thankful like the thief was just to be remembered by the Redeemer. And there's crowds out yonder. Y'all know the story. They ain't got nothing. That's what you're going to come up with if you go fishing without it. I preached a message one time, one of the first messages I ever preached on fishing in God's fishing hole. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Doug, that's the best fishing you'll ever do right there. You talking about limit, you'll bust your limit in a flat second. Hallelujah. Woo! Am I? 
They ain't catching nothing. Have you any meat? No. Fished all night. Professional. This ain't their first rodeo. They know all the fishing holes. And they've come up empty again. Peter done took his clothes off and got naked. Backslid as a billy goat took six with him. John's out yonder with him. Amen. Don't forget about him. Matter of fact, when the Lord shows up, he'll be the one to say, Whoop! That's him! I believe John went with them just so they wouldn't go too far. <laughs> hey, I believe he went with them just some love on them a little bit. But if he did not, look what one man will do. How many he'll cause to fall out. You don't sin in a box. You will affect everybody with your disobedience. Hear this preacher today. All the way back to Joshua 7, it affects everybody. Amen. Jesus showed up again. The Bible says, I like what he started out in the chapter. And on this wise, shoot he himself. He said, I tell you what do, boys, throw your net on the other side. That's not no more than 12 foot difference. Some say eight foot difference. But I promise you this, you can throw on the left all you want. But if you get right with God, you'll throw it on the right side. <laughs> and you'll, hey, here's the directions to heaven. Sheep on the right side, thief that got saved on the right side, turn right and go straight. Amen. You know how to fish? I'll throw on the right side. If I had a boat, I'd always cast on the right side. I'd be afraid to cast on the left side. I'm telling you, that's why Jordan, you haul them in sometimes. You probably throw it on the right side. Hey, can I say this? Hallelujah. I like going fishing with God. I like hanging out with Jesus. And I sure do like it when I ain't looking for him and he still shows up living on me. They got 153 fishes. And yes, Peter took time to count them. Because he just about didn't feel like he was worthy to go sit down at the fire. And they get on to the shoreline. Y'all know the story. And they get out here in verse number 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Failure isn't final because God's going to still let him do some feeding. <laughs> tell, that, tell that old wicked crowd says you ain't no good no more. Tell them I ain't read the book, amen. Yeah, God uses a bunch of rejects. Yes, he does. I'm fixing to have a dancing fit to Jesus. I'm telling you, he uses rejects. Yes, sir. <laughs> Them that's ruined, them that's wrecked, he likes them. He's in the restoration business. It'll be worth more when he's done than it was off the line. Somebody say amen. Well, I'm telling you, I'm glad God's in the restoring business. There's a fire he's got going over. And the Bible said, verse number nine, he saw a fire, coals and fish laid on it. Peter didn't feel like he was worthy. Jesus said, come dine. When they got done dining, verse 15 picks up. He says, lovest thou me more than these? This right here is a tell-all fire. He started out with a tell-tell fire. He's going to tell all. 
He's going to have to lay it all out there. He's going to have to pour his heart out. The Lord's going to get him to the point that he's willing to say, I love you more than anything. When he said this, look at what he said. Here's the subject of his love. The subject, the subject of his love, the subject of the message, the, the theme of this fire. Listen to me, church. It's not loving feeding sheep. It's not about loving sheep. It's about loving the shepherd, loving the Savior. He said, lovest thou me more than feeding sheep more than these disciples, more than the fish nets, more than the fishes, more than them 153 you took time to count, more, more than anything you've done in your life. Do you love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul? You gonna have to tell all here, preacher. I wonder today how many of us love him with all our heart. Notice this what he said, the size of his love, more than these. Notice this what he said. He said the sort of his love. He said he ain't talking about cheap love. Matter of fact, he asked him three, four, five. Hey, he says, I want to nail it down. I'm not. I'm just saying it ain't just enough. I'm not talking about surface love. I'm not talking about the love that you have for your wife and your children. That needs to look like hate when stacked up against the way you love me. I'm asking me, do you love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Because if you do, Peter, I'm gonna use you. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to feed my sheep. This is what he's noticed this, verse 17. Here's the sincerity of his love. He saith unto him, the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me with a question? Peter was grieved because he said unto him, the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. You know what Peter said? Lord, I truly do. These folks with me don't think I do because I denied you. These folks with me don't think I do. I called them to get discouraged and go fishing with me. I know I don't have a good track record. But you know what? He's grieved at his heart. He finally just says, Lord, thou knowest. I know I had a man tell me one time all the different words of love, all that he's trying to get to, talking about the family love and the fellow love and the friend love. And I'm gonna tell you what the Lord's just trying to get him to do. I'm gonna tell you, I don't need, I got a King James Bible. And I'm gonna tell you what the bottom line of the whole thing is. Yeah. Do you love me more than these, more than everything in your life? And Peter just finally grieved, said, Lord, I say I love you, but it just ain't enough. So look at me, search me. Thou knowest whether I love you. My heart loves you when my flesh don't do right. You can see what others can't see. You know that I love you from the inside. Oh God, let it show up on the outside. I'll feed you sheep. I'll feed you lambs. You know, Lord, I love you. He finally said, Lord, you know how much I love you. I'm just going to tell it all to you. Thou knowest. 
Here's a tell. You know what God wants you to do? Tell all that he already knows. That's how he wants you to do. See, we don't love him more than we do sometimes that RV. We don't love him more sometimes. Hey, we love ourselves. You know what Samson's problem was? He loved himself. He always wanted to please himself. He's always seeking to please himself. And finally Peter says, Lord, you know I, you know what kind of shape I am. You know inside and outward. You know that I love you. Lord, you know the bottom line. I'll just agree at whatever love level you want me to. I love you. I love you. And the Lord don't ask no more. Somebody said it's because he denied him three times. That he asked him if he loved him three times. Hey, I don't know. I'm not going to argue with you about that. But one thing I do know, it was the same kind of fire. It's almost as if he said, hey, Hey, I ain't for I I have not gave up on you. I have not forsook you. I've not fold you to the wolves. Matter of fact, I forgave you. You can bring your fish if you want, but I've got fish that never saw a hook, that never swam in a lake. Hey man, I'm talking about the best fish that you'll ever eat in your life. So bring yours on if you want. I'll let your fish cook was on side mine. But I've got what you need. Do you? Love me, feed my sheep. See it till off. I'm glad that ain't the last one. Look in Acts chapter number two, verse number one. Here's a tale, tale fire. I don't can't go through each one expositionally, but you know the story. When failure came, the Lord loved Peter. Warming by the wrong fire, telling a lie, still loved him. He loved him when he caused others to get away from God. Came to his seashore. It's the Lord probably coming to some seashores right now. Yeah. Go fishing without him and see what you do. You're going to come up empty. Try to do it yourself. Come up, well, I'm not happy, and the Lord don't want me to be miserable. If sin makes you happy, you need to get right with God. No, he don't want you miserable because you need to get right with God and love what he loves, like what he likes. Amen. Amen, preacher. Preach on, preacher. I'm just going to leave. I know you better love on what he wants you to love on. Delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. I'm going to tell you what a good man wants. He wants what God wants. Amen. In Acts 2, it's what I call a telltale. You ever been somewhere... And somebody said, that's a telltale sign of what kind of carpenter he is. My daddy was going to hire a guy one time. Now, you'll get this. We were doing finish work. And this guy jumped out of the car and said, I got all the experience in the world. Usually when they brag on it, they ain't done it. If you see somebody said, I'm a SEAL team, boy, I've done this and done that, don't worry about it, they ain't. Am I right? Most war heroes, they don't want to brag about it. They just thankful, most of them. Now, some of them, most of them just thankful they made it home. 
But that's the way it is about anything. Boy, I got all, I, I mean, I mean, now, if, you, if I go to work for you, I'm going to do it like you want to do it. But just know I know how to do this. So he jumped out of the car, had a brand new leather belt. Man, you could have put Home Depot in that thing. I was laughing. I was running across the rafters. I could do it then. Probably what's wrong with me. Amen. I was running across them I was running across them rafters trying to see who it was daddy hired. And I mean this belt, he had to have suspenders to hold that thing up. Now I I now I realize why some of them guys wore suspenders on just them lightweight belts. Hallelujah. I wish I'd had some. But I, I didn't then. He come out with one. I mean, it's all the way around. I mean, had stuff hanging all off of it and had a hammer that was as long as his leg. And he knew we was doing finish work. Daddy said, go ahead and get back in your car and go on down the road. I said, Daddy, you didn't give him a chance. He knows we're doing finish work and he come with that a big old framing hammer that weighs 20-something pounds. You know, it wasn't a 13-ounce. It wasn't a 16-ounce. It was one of them 20-something pounds. It didn't weigh 20 pounds, but it looked like it. It was long. You know, have one of them pull a nail out. Daddy said, get back in your car and go on down the road. We don't need your help. See, what was it? What was it? Daddy said that was a telltale sign that he didn't know what he's talking about. Yet in the 16th century, that phrase telltale became real. It was, there were certain secrets and truths that were always supposed to remain that way. But when documents got released, they were called telltale documents. Now, an American poet that I ain't going to mention because I don't want to defile the sanctuary come up with a book and a movie called The Telltale Heart. The idea is there'll always be a sign to point you to the truth. You know what this is in Acts chapter number two? It's a sign that points us to the truth. This is a telltale fire. They're sitting up there. I love this, Brother Jeremy. Y'all catch what this catch what the text says? It says they the Bible said, notice the situation when, when we went in the military and we went out to observe. Sometimes when we didn't call rounds in from that big old gun of the Navy, we'd just go out there and scout and put us in there, insert us in with a long-range reconnaissance patrol of the, of the Marine. And we'd go in there with that laser and we'd paint the targets and we'd look at the targets and we'd plot where the targets was. We had several things we had to do, brother. We had to tell who they were. We had to tell what they were. We had to tell how they were coordinated. That's what the Holy Ghost did in Acts chapter number two. He said, I want you to observe. There's something you're gonna pick up on here. Notice this, what he said. Notice the situation. When was it? At the day of Pentecost. At the right time. Joel had already prophesied about it. Hey, at the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come. I bet God knows whenever things supposed to happen. Hey, man. The Bible says, where was it? They was in one place. Hey, hey, man. How many of them were they? It was everybody that was in one one mind and one accord. Who were they? The disciples. So the situation is, they're all praying. The disciples and all the believers, 120 of them, is up in this upper room and they're in one place 
Hey man, gathered together, seeking what Jesus had promised in Acts 1-5, that they tarry till they receive power from on high. That dynamite power, that Holy Ghost power. Go over and pray. And uh, they had a little election, finally got past all what they wanted to do, finally got business and went to praying. And when they got to praying, the Bible says, notice this, suddenly. You know when God will bless you? Suddenly. You just keep on being faithful. You just keep on praying. You just keep coming together one mind, one accord. And suddenly, God will bless you. And it won't be silent. <laughs> Notice the sound. It was a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind. Woo! What did it show them? It showed them that God was no longer showing up in a tabernacle, not just in the temple, but each individual was going to be the place that God worked in and worked through. Hallelujah! This is a telltale sign that something's going to change in Peter's life. He was a coward, but he's fixing to become courageous. Hey, it's a telltale sign when they get up and preach. You can tell whether they've been filled with the Holy Ghost. It's a telltale sign when they get up and sing. They can be eloquent. They can hit the right notes. But do they got God on them? Amen. Mama and Papa get together sometimes. Didn't have no piano music. And they just... And they go to singing that wheel in the middle of a wheel. Hallelujah. And heaven come down and glory fill my soul. And I, hey, some people may not like how mama sung, but I loved it. Some people might not like how papa sung, but I believe everybody here loved it. You know why? Because they got God on it. Some, on Miss Whittemore, get up here like she did in Jubilee. Don't have no piano scene. Ain't nothing real fancy about it. But she'll get up and almost want you to say, preach, preach, amen. And get up and testify and bragging on Jesus, talking about holy seed, and then go light up to singing and be about half squalling and crying, tears running. What's special about it? There's a telltale sign. There's a fire on her. And his ministers ought to be a flaming fire. Everybody that ministers this blessed book ought to have some fire about them. You ain't got to say it like I say it. You ain't got to do it like I do it. Sometimes I wish I could slow down a little bit. Then I realize that ain't my gear. <laughs> and so I just get over in my gear. It's like riding in Randy's black brown car that he drove to the place and trying to go 25 miles an hour. It almost cut off on you. That car don't even start breathing good until it gets up about 75. Is that right, Randy? Maybe 100. Don't say nothing, Randy. Brother Lander, that ain't my gear. And so my gear is just to be who God made me. I wish sometimes I could slow down a little bit. There's a lot of goody that I'd like to get on the breakdown of the tense of the verbs and how they work with the pronouns. But boy, I'm telling you, I can't slow down enough for that. I, I understand it. I'll write you a paper on it. But I'm going to tell you, when I get up here behind this pulpit, there's something about it. I'm just glad to be saved. I just want to preach the gospel and I just want to let everybody know they is, they, this is another fire that changed Peter's life. Which fire are you at? The tall tail fire? Are you hanging around a flock of birds you shouldn't be hanging around? I'm going to tell you what you can do. 
you can act like that you're going to influence him for the positive all you want. But give it about three months and you'll find yourself sipping and smoking and doing the things they're doing. And you know why? Because you're in the same flesh that I'm in and everybody else is in. Don't put no confidence in the flesh. Don't put no confidence in the flesh. Don't think you're above nothing. I'm telling you, it's only the grace of God. We got to hang around the right crowd. Hey, man, the tall tail fire. I hope you ain't there. The tail all fire. I'm going to tell you, do you good? Get down here and tell God everything. Just get clean and leave here saying I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my whatever you love more than God, whether it's your wife or your kids, that thing has become a God to you, and you better watch doing something like that. You know I'm right. Hey, thank God for the telltale fire. But look with me, the last fire. He's got courageous. He's on fire. Look what he said. First Peter chapter number one. Verse seven. Look at verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. That's the pleasure that comes through salvation. My God, have mercy. They ought to know us how we worship. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That's the persecution of salvation. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. He had a tall tail fire. I hope you ain't there. I hope, pray that everybody ain't here. He had a tell-all fire. I hope you get there. He had a tell-tale fire. I hope everybody realizes we need that one. But here's right here. This is what I call a no-telling fire. <laughs> Because there ain't no telling what God's going to do when he gets you on the other side of your trouble. <laughs> I just run. <laughs> there ain't no telling what he's going to do with a marriage restored. There ain't no telling what he's going to do with a soul saved out of the hall. There ain't no telling what he's going to do when he saves somebody. Thank God they used to drink moonshine and run dope. There ain't no telling what he's going to do when he gets somebody out of the Navy who went to every seaport. Ain't no telling what he's going to do when he saves a lineman. Thank God. There ain't no telling what he's going to do. Just let him work. You just need to trust him. Preacher, you ain't in the mess, I mean. I've been to that tell-off fire. I've been to the tell Thank God I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. This promise, according to 1 Corinthians 12, that tell-tale fire, that Holy Ghost fire. That's over every person that got saved. There's a fire in you. Quit quenching it. Quit grieving it. Get filled, dunked, swallowed up, whatever. Kick the governor out. In high school, we had, see, when I went to high school, my boys there. 
They said, Daddy, nineties was the old days. I locked it down the highway. That ain't the old days. To them, it's old days. Back when I went to high school, students drove the buses. <laughs> Y'all know that was a mess. We had one old boy, Michael. I don't know his name. But you might have got him. You might have helped him out on this. He found a way to bypass the governor. We'd go down the road 70 miles. Oh, and a school bus. Hit mailboxes. Man, it's a miracle I made it alive. Back to the house. Back up, wham, hit a tree. That's why I love Ron Severs. He fixed so much of our school buses. Bless that man's heart that he made it to retirement. And now he, now he's a missionary. We support his son. Amen. <laughs> Some of us need to knock the governor off. So the telltale fire of the Holy Ghost will be evidence in your life. He's put it in there. Quit restricting him. Quit, amen. Amen, preacher. That's exactly right. Let it out. Testify. Somebody big as God get in you, measure it out the waters in the hollow of his hand and tell me he ain't gonna exercise itself. It's like that little girl who said, Mama, I can't get saved. Why, why, honey, why? Because I'm a girl and Jesus is a big God. And if he comes in my heart, he'll stick out everywhere. <laughs> Amen. If Jesus comes in your heart, he'll stick out everywhere. They ought to tell it. Amen. Amen. My brother, I've been there. You say, I've been there, preacher. But I'm going through a mess right now. Listen to what this text says. Though the it's for a season. Can I give you some good news? Everybody in here, look up here at the preacher. Your trial of your faith will only last for a season. You may feel like it's going to go on forever. But even in losing a daughter, Brother Lender ain't got over it. He ain't never going to get over it. If it quits hurting, then that means he don't think about her no more. He ain't never going to get there. It's always going to hurt. There's going to be an empty place there. But he come out the other end shouting. Because that hard part of that trial, that season of time, he had just reminisced going through that about his dad. All that's going through his mind. And he ain't out of it long when they start calling him. Go comfort this family. They had somebody just killed herself. Am I right? Go comfort this family. Why did God let him go through it? Because God was going to put comfort on him so he could recycle that comfort on somebody. There's somebody that's going to go through what you're going through in the future. And believe it or not, this that you're in is a season. It's going to change. Sun's going to come up. God's going to bless you. Flowers are going to bloom. Fruits are going to be on the limb. And he's going to use you to bless somebody else. It's for a season. Now they saw her. Notice, it's heaviness. 
ye are in heaviness. But here's the, here's the paradox. <laughs> See, I was going back to the Sermon on the Mount, and God got me on this, then he took me right back to the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, mourning equates joy. Persecution equals joy. It's in Matthew 5, 11 and 12. He's told us. The paradox is this heaviness that you feel, you're pressed down, you don't feel like you can even lift your head, you feel ashamed, you feel unworthy, you feel unfit. God's gonna turn all of that around to joy. You just need to repent. You need to get that thing right. It's for a season and God's gonna bless you again. The sorrow of persecution. Here is a heaviness. The sword of it. Notice this, it's manifold. That's what he said. Anybody ever felt like it comes at you from every side? <laughs> Keisha and them get home yesterday. And Dwayne just shouts about, Woo! Thank God my water heater's busted again. It ain't been a week ago. Is it or what long? You say, I don't know that he did that. Well, if he ain't yet, he will, I'll guarantee you that. He'll be thankful that thing leaked. When later on down the road, God wakes him up in the middle of the night, and that thing, the pop-off valve probably wasn't working. And it was going to blow up a hole in his roof and may hurt his wife and his family. He'll be shouting about that thing leaking. Yes, sir. See, we don't always think God ain't against you. He loves you, church. Boy, I need y'all to tell me that once in a while. I'm going to keep telling y'all about it because I'm telling you he's, the devil is a liar. He's for you. I'm telling you, brother. It comes at you sometimes from every side. I love, I, I get tickled by this. I was with my wife one time. I mean, it was one thing after another. It was bam, 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 bam. She said, does everything have to happen to me? And I thought to myself, you're a pastor's wife. It sure does. It's going to have to happen. And, and I just want to go on record and say, he'll make every molehill look like a mountain. He'll make everything. He'll convince you. Matter of fact, you'll have your own friends, Christian friends, that'll tell you, you might as well just kick out. Man, if I was going through that, yeah, I'd kick out. Well, I know you would because you ain't in it. Because if you was in it, God would give you grace to go through it. <laughs> You know why you, you can handle things and people can't figure it out? It's because you're in the middle of it. And God always supplies grace enough for every trial. It's manifold grace. Man, Brother Jeremy. Spiritual persecution. That's what he said. He said trial of your faith. Anybody going through spiritual persecution here? I just want everybody for one Sunday morning to be honest, right here. I don't know if I've ever asked you. I've asked you to lift your hands once in a while, but I ain't never prefaced with be honest. 
in the last two weeks have you went through some spiritual trials? Boy, we're going to get some help today. Just throw a little water on the devil's fire. Hey, are y'all with me today? He said this, the trial of your faith. When you feel like you don't have faith to walk one more step, when you feel like you can't go one more mile, you can't go one more service, you can't read your Bible not one more time, you don't even feel like you can pray not one more time. (laughs) Hey, thank God. Hallelujah. I'm glad God knows what you can handle and he knows when to let the pressure get off of it, but he's a strengthening your faith. He's an exercising your faith because if faith don't get exercised, It don't get strong. Somebody say amen. If you don't test faith, you can't trust faith. Amen, preacher. Amen. Josh, do you still work on them cell towers? You don't work on them no more, do you? I saw a man yesterday work on them cell towers. Friday. Man, they way up there. They got safety ropes everywhere. I'm thinking to myself, Brother Lander, I don't care how many safety ropes, I ain't climbing that tire. I don't care how low voltage it is, I ain't going up there. But you know why? They done tested all their equipment. They can trust their equipment. Doug can hang on there, swing around, put a line up, walk way up hundreds of feet up in the air, walk on them power lines. I can't do it, friend. I wouldn't do it. But there's one thing I know, I ain't never put it to the test. If I've ever put it to the test, I'd learn to trust it better. Can everybody stay with me right here? The schedule of the persecution. He said, if need be. But there's a, thank God, a celebration of persecution. He said, you'll rejoice. He said, you'll be glad. He says, the Lord's coming back to get you. Hey, man. Now, let me close with this. Because when I throwed that water, I lost about all of it. Listen to me right here. A lot of people don't just believe his Bible when they first get saved. They believe where it says, if they confess, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. But if, as they begin, I'm assuming, because when I got saved, I just believed all of it. I'm just going to be honest with you. (laughs) But there's things I did not understand. I couldn't wrap my mind around. Because I'm a logical thinking man, as most men are. And I'm trying to wrap my mind around some of this stuff. Some people don't believe everything. Scientists at one time said, there's no way that man lived with dinosaurs. It had to be millions of years ago. All you young children, look up here at this preacher. We don't believe in no gap theory. We don't believe in no slow. We don't believe in no... Is everybody okay? Take a deep breath. We believe the Bible. Evening and morning, first day. Evening, morning, second day. Is everybody with me? There's no way we don't have any evidence. There's no proof. It don't last the fire. 
we put it to the fire test of logical thinking, there's no evidence for it that man lived with dinosaur. So they had to be millions of years ago. But then there was a big storm coming. And it took out houses. And it took out banks. And it took out businesses. And people was killed. And then in Texas, there was a man's foot inside of a dinosaur. And they said, evidence, proof. Well, all you had to do was read the Bible. Amen. But okay, proof. What revealed the treasure that proved to them that God's word was real? A storm. You know when people find things in gold mines that's been closed down? You know when they'll dig after there's a great earthquake? Then they'll send down again and find a honey hole of gold because the earth was just shook. Amen. You know when they find treasure ships that they ain't been able to find? It's after a big storm come and it's to tore up the whole seashore and water's flooded and a storm and people don't think they're going to make it. But then all of a sudden, treasure. Because it was the storm, it was the hardship, it was the trial that they went through. And now treasure came out of the trial. Ask anybody in here. The homes are better when they get put back together. Hearts are better when they get through the trials. Lives are better when they go, why is that? Because you find the treasure when the mess takes place and the clouds roll back. You'll see treasure. The trial of your faith being precious. Jacob, y'all ready to get ready to sing for me. And they heat that fire. And I don't, I'm not going to go through the different temperatures, but when they heat that fire up and they put that gold in and all the impurities float to the top, they rake them off stick it back in the fire. The impurities float to the top and they wreck them off and they put it to the fire. Impurities float until there's no more impurities. And they say back in them days, days gone by, that how the refiner knew when they didn't have any more impurities is when he could see his own image in it. Whew. The Lord's going to put you through the fire. And he'll put you through the fire. And he'll put you through the fire until he can see his own image. Until he sees his reflection in your life. Until he can see his reflection in this church. Until he can see his reflection in your marriage. Until he can see this. Don't give up on God. Don't, no, no, no. It's no telling. This is a no telling fire. Peter's in his last days. He's an old man. He knows every time the trial comes. It's a trial of faith. It's just for a season. But there's a purification process. Says. God's going to bring us out. There's a shoeing. We're going to see his face in our life. We'll see him show up in a mighty way. So I want to ask you this as heads is bowed.